Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Jesus Rules, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on October 1st, 2017. Did you guys miss me last week? I missed you guys. I did have a good trip though. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouragement. I really appreciate that. Well, this morning we're going to jump right into it. So grab your Bibles, grab your iPhones, iPads, whatever you use. There's Bibles under the chair. Uh, Open up to the book of Hebrews. Mark your spot there. And I'm not going to have you turn to this, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to open up this morning by reading a passage here. It's the words of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. And it's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Jesus says here, He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their what? Fruit. Yes. So I, I think it's important for us to start with the words of Jesus this morning as we look and go on this journey through the book of Hebrews because what Jesus is saying here is he is telling us that there is evidence, there is proof in a life that is ruled by God. See, you and I can see the difference in someone's life when, when Jesus isn't at the head or doesn't rule in their lives. We look at the world around us and, and, and we can pretty much tell by how the world is bearing uh, this unhealthy fruit that that tree is unhealthy, correct? Well, it's no different for you and I. See, if we're going to live our lives, if we're going to proclaim, if we're going to use the words of Jesus, if we're going to say we are Christians, then we have to be Christians. See, there's, there's an action that has to happen. There's a fruit that, that will only naturally be bore by how we live our lives. It's not just the words that we say. Although the words are important, they do make a difference. But if the words and the actions don't line up, then we will never make a difference in this world. Jesus' name, Jesus will never rule our lives. See, if we're going to proclaim Jesus, then we have to live Jesus. You know, when I was a a teenager, I talked a lot about Jesus. You can ask my wife because we dated in high school and uh, she wasn't a Christian. She grew up in a Buddhist home. She's Japanese and, and so her mom was of the Buddhist faith. And the word God or the word Jesus was just a cuss word for her. She knew nothing more or nothing less than that about God. And so, of course, me as a Christian, a boy that was raised by a Christian mom that loved Jesus and always prayed and encouraged me to point and look to Jesus Christ, I thought, well, I can tell my girlfriend about this and I can share Jesus with her and tell her all the good things and all the right things that she should be doing. 
So, but where I, where I missed the whole point of it all was that it was just my words that were being spoken. There was nothing behind those words. There was no life change. There was nothing different. She saw nothing different. She would even make the statement. She'd say, well, you know what? You go to church on Sunday, but look what you do on Friday and Saturday nights. If that's what being a Christian is, then you know what? I, I don't want to be a Christian. See, Jesus tells us something here that we really need to think about before we start looking at what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. And we need to ask ourselves this question. Does Jesus rule in your life? Can you say with sincerity that Jesus rules in your life? That's a tough question. And I, I want to tell you, I'll confess that, that I struggle with that on a daily basis. You know, I don't know if you're, you're like me or not. If, if you get those insecurities or those moments where, where you're just not sure if Jesus really is ruling or if you're doing the things that God wants you to do and living in obedience. See, it's a question I think it's important that we ask because Jesus tells us here in this passage in Matthew, he says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. See, that's challenging for me. Those words speak loudly to me. See, if we're going to let Jesus rule in our lives, then we have to make some changes personally. We have to look at what Jesus desires for our lives, and we have to bear the fruit of a life that has allowed Christ to rule. So before we jump into Hebrews, before we start this journey, will you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, we're here to, to lift you up. Lord, we're here to, to sing your praises, to give you glory and honor and to bow our hearts and our lives and everything that we are to you this morning. So Father, by the power of your spirit, we ask that you would break us. Father, that you would, you would help us come to that place where we understand that, that Jesus really does need to rule in our lives, that Jesus needs to be first and foremost, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you sent him, you gave him to us so that we can know you, Father, so that we can come to you with our requests, with our pain, with our hurt, with our brokenness, with our sin, whatever we bear, whatever we hold on to, Father, we can lay it at your feet and trust that Jesus, that Jesus has it all under control. Lord, I pray that as we read your words, as we look to this book that you gave us, that we would gain understanding and knowledge of just how great Jesus is. And that he truly does rule, whether we believe it or not, that he truly does rule. Thank you, Father. We love you, we praise you, and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the theme of this book of Hebrews, if you haven't already looked at it before, is really all about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And in the first chapter, as we read this chapter together, you're going to see that God actually reminds us of how great Jesus is and the things that he sent in motion through his son, Jesus the Christ. And so it begins in chapter one, 
starting in verse 1. The writer says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. I want to stop right there for a moment. Because I think that we have to see here that the opening of this chapter helps us to understand how God is at work in the world around us. See, what, what God is telling us here in these first couple of verses is that, that God is always at work in people's lives. And we need to be aware of that. We need to pay close attention to what's going on in the world around us. Understanding that even when we see injustice, even when we see hurt, even when we see pain, that God is at work and God is in control. See, in the first two verses there, he reminds us, he says, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed as heir of all things. See, there's the authority, there's the superior, the, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He is the heir of all things. And so we have to pay attention and know that, that God is at work even then as he, is in, as he is at work today in the lives of those around us. You know, I would love to spend one Sunday morning just huddled in a, in a group of people and just, uh, just talk about how God is at work in each and every one of our lives. If I did that on a Sunday morning, would you guys be okay with that? Yeah. yeah? I think we need to hear that, don't we? Don't we need to know and see what God is doing in the lives of, of one another and others in, our, in the world around us? Because I promise you, if we were to take the time to do that, and I think we will here soon, just to warn you, I think that, that we would just be in awe of God. And yeah, we, we would hear a lot of hurt. We would hear a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of joy, a lot of understanding, a lot of misunderstanding. But the greatest thing that we would understand and know is that God is always at work. But the question is, are you paying attention? Are you listening? See, because what God is doing here and what he's telling us as he opens up this chapter here, he's saying that I am revealing myself through my son, Jesus Christ. I want to show you who I am. And I did it from the prophets of old and now I'm doing it through the Messiah, the Jesus, the Christ. And I want you to see me, God. I want you to know me. I want you to understand me. And I want you to see the things that I'm doing around you in the lives of those that you do life with. The lives of those that I'm going to put in front of you here in the next few weeks. See, in verse 3, God shows us that he, he revealed to us himself, his nature, through Jesus Christ. He says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Underline that. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, 
he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. See, those that have seen Jesus have seen God. And you and I today, those that know Jesus, guess what? We know God. Yes. Amen. I want you to just pause for a moment. I want you to think about that. Floyd, I, I get to know God. I mean, think about that. The creator of the universe. The, the, the one that, that, that the Bible tells us he knew Floyd. And, 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 and as he looked down at, at my mom, he says, I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you a young man that, that I'm going to use later in life to do some things. I think about yourself. Think about the journey that you've been on and the, and the things that you've discovered and the things that you've seen and the places you've gone. And at every moment in that journey and every moment of time and every place that you've ever been and every person that you've come into contact with, God was right there with you. See, that should leave us in awe. I mean, to think that the God of the universe, the God that created all things, cares that much about us that we can know him. You know, it makes me think what people say now. <laughs> mind blown, right? I hope it blows your mind. I hope you see the awe of God not just because you're here at church, not just because it's a Sunday morning, because you're thinking about the simple fact that God created you. He made you. And there's a purpose behind that. There's a plan behind that. And he's calling you to him. He wants you to know him. He's pulling, into you, pulling, pulling you into this loving and caring relationship. He wants to know you personally. He wants you to know him personally. What a beautiful thing. So we get from this passage and we understand that uh, Jesus is God revealed. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint. Well, as we look at what the writer tells us next in verse five, let's read that together. He says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of unrighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. And you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond, beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. 
And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are, who are to inherit salvation? You see it? There it is. Jesus rules. Jesus rules. There it is. See, he is the image of God. He has authority over everything. He is the beginning and the end. He was there at creation. He will be there at the end of time. He is the anointed one. He is the one that God has given us to reveal himself to all of mankind. He is the Christ. Amen? Again, I want to ask you, do you see what God is doing? Do you see what God has done for you? For me? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it amazing? See, Jesus rules because one, he is our Messiah. I mean, literally, he is our Messiah. The definition of a Messiah is the one that comes to save. And Jesus came to save. He came to redeem. He came to restore us. See, and he is the only one that can do it. And it's because of what it says in verses 5 and 6. Where it says, For to which of the angels did God ever say this? You are my son, and today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him, Jesus. See, Jesus is our Messiah. You know, I, I, had a, I, I have a friend. He still is a friend. He's my neighbor. And uh, probably about 10, 15 years ago in our small group, we invited him and his wife to come. And he wasn't a believer at that time. His wife was, and he wasn't. And so uh, we both loved motorcycles. So we were in his garage one, one day, and we were just talking about motorcycles and life and doing all that fun stuff, you know, just kind of connecting his friends. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know what? I would love for you to, to join us at our small group. I know you don't go to church, I said, but we, we have a small group in our house that meets every week and we talk about Jesus, we talk about life and we just encourage each other. And I'd love for you to come and hang out with us. I think you'd enjoy it. And he looks at me and he says, you know what, Floyd? He says, I don't think I want to. I love his honesty. He's an honest guy. He says, I don't think I want to. I said, all right. Well, mind if I ask why you wouldn't want to come and kind of just hang out with us, you know? We're friends, Right? And he says, well, you know what? I, I've thought through this whole Jesus thing. And I've looked at it and I've kind of done some homework on it. And I've come to a place in my life where I realize that I just simply do not need Jesus. And that kind of puzzled me for a moment because I was like, okay, you don't need Jesus. All right. So I asked him, I said, so help me to understand that. What do you, what do you mean you don't need Jesus? And he just simply said, Look around you. He says, I got a beautiful home. I've got a wonderful wife. I got a couple of wonderful kids. He says, I make a lot of money. You know, I've got a lot of motorcycles. I got every toy that you can think of. And if I don't have that toy, I can pretty much buy that toy if I want to. And so you tell me, Floyd, 
You tell me why you think that I would need Jesus. What difference will he make in my life? That's a tough question, isn't it, to, to answer? And you know what? I really didn't have a response for him. And the, and the reason why I think I didn't have a response for him is because he had it all figured out. And there was probably nothing that I could have told him that would have made a difference at that moment. But what I did in that moment, I said, you know what? Let me just ask you to do this. Think about it. Think about it for a little while. And we'd love to have you come and just check it out. Just experience it. He says, all right, I, I can do that. I think that's a fair thing to agree with. And so he did. Fast forward a few years. He comes, hangs out with us. And he was probably the, the, the greatest part, like Jason said earlier about a small group, having someone new there. He was probably the greatest part of our small group at that time. And a few of you know who I'm talking about because you were in my small group at that time. But he was the greatest part because he was an atheist. I used the quote. <laughs> it's inside joke, sorry. They'll tell you later. He was an atheist and he ended up coming to faith. He, he walks with Jesus now. He believes in Jesus. Jesus rules his life. And I think it's simply because of this. We need a Messiah. We need to be saved. And sometimes we need to be saved from ourselves. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Looking back on that, I think today, that that's what God was doing in his life, was helping to realize that he needed to be saved from himself. It's a tough question, tough thoughts. But we have to understand that the Messiah is the one that people were waiting for at that time. They were there because they wanted to know that there was a deliverer to deliver them from this bondage. There was something that was ruling their lives. There was something that was controlling them. And they understood it. And they didn't like it. They didn't want it. And they were waiting for the Messiah. I want to ask you this morning, what rules your life? You don't have to answer that out loud, of course. You could write it in your notes if you want. Those are your notes for you to take and keep. What rules your life? But not only what rules your life, but are you waiting for the Messiah? Are you waiting for someone or something? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's money. Are you waiting for something or someone to save you? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, I think all of us are. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus rules. Jesus is here to save you. Jesus is here to be that thing that fulfills all of the things that nothing else could ever fulfill in this lifetime. You can have the cars, you can have the, the bikes, you can have it all. And I'll tell you, I, I want a motorcycle right now. <laughs> My daughter wants a motorcycle too. That's why I don't get one. <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> Blaming her. <laughs> Not going to let her drive it. But there's something, isn't there, that sometimes gets in the way? See, I think when we move to the aspect and understand what the Messiah is, who the Messiah truly is, it's Jesus Christ, then that moves us to understand 
the fact that God gave his son to rule this world. And because of that, he should rule our lives. He should be the Messiah that we look to. And why? Because Jesus is our forever. See, all these things, they, they're temporal. Yeah, I had a motorcycle for a while. It didn't last. In fact, it was breaking every other week on me. See, Jesus is forever. Verses 10 and 12 of our passage here, it says, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. Again. And the heavens are, at wor- are the work of your hands. They will perish. They will come to an end. But you remain They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. See, Jesus is not only our Messiah, but he is our forever. Amen? That puts a smile on my face. I, I hope it does for you to think that that Jesus is our forever. The Messiah is our forever and he is offering each and every one of us eternal life. I want you to hear what what it says in Galatians chapter four. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem, circle and underline that one, to redeem those who were under the law. There you go, the Israelites, They were looking for that Messiah. They were in bondage so that we might receive adoption as sons. So I think this this brings us back to our original question. Does Jesus rule? Well, the answer is yes. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, Jesus rules. He has ruled from the beginning and he will rule all through time and he will rule at the end of time. It says it right here. See, Jesus is the Messiah and he is the one. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And there is power in the name because it is the name above all names. He is Lord of lords, King of kings. He is the exalted one. Therefore, Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should what? Bow. Amen. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Praise God, right? I want to ask you, as we close up this morning, I want to ask you, in fact, I'm going to challenge you. Will you bow? Will you bow before Jesus? Will you bow your hearts? Will you confess with your mouths? Will you live a life that reflects who Jesus Christ is? Will you bear witness as evidence, as proof of the Messiah. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just in our small groups, but every single day of your life, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, will you bow? Will you let Jesus rule in your lives?
I tell you, if, if you do, I promise you, God will change you. I promise you that God will, will bring you to a place in your life where you have a greater understanding of the hope, of the faith, and of the love that God has for every person, including ourselves. I want to close with these last two verses because I think it's a great reminder for us on this day, this day that we, we have our family meeting as we gather together to think about all the things that God has done, all the things that God is doing, and all the things that we are going to be hopeful for as a body of believers, as we celebrate, as we bow before our Heavenly Father. Hebrews 2.1 says this, it says, therefore we must pay closer, much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And that, that little verse says so much to us. So much to us. Now I have a cheesy little saying that I like to say, own your faith, find your place, and then help others do the same. I think it's a simple little thing to say, a simple little reminder for myself because I've always even told my kids, you know, that, that you've got to have a faith of your own. You have to own your faith. You know, many years growing up, I didn't own my faith. It was a faith of my mom. You know, I was dependent on the things that she told me and then I just kind of repeated in the moments when it made me look good or feel good. But it was never something that I truly owned. See, what the writer here is saying, because of who Jesus Christ is, because of what the Father says about the Son, because He is the beginning and He is the end, He is the glory, He is the radiance of God, He says, pay close attention. Pay close attention. Put your focus on Jesus. Watch what's going on. Look around you and see what he's doing. And whatever he's doing, join in. Jump in. Trust him. Believe in him. Know that he's faithful. And know that he has brought you to that moment, to that person, to that time, to that place for a reason. And he has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us as we do that. See, and as we take those steps, that's not only when we own our face, our faith, excuse me, our face. It's also when we find our place. And we're more apt to do, to help and to give and to serve. And by doing that, we're helping others do the same thing. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you that you've begun something in us as a church, as a body of believers. Father, that uh, maybe right now we, we just, well, I know, we, we just completely don't understand. Lord, we look back and we're, we are so thankful for everything that you've done over the last few years. We're, we're so grateful to see how you've just created and ordained and offered us so much. Father, and then, then we come to today and and. and in our moments of fear, in our moments of anxiety, we're just not sure and we just don't understand and we don't always have the answers. But Lord, thank you that, that when we gather together as the church, as your body, Lord, thank you that, that you would remind us through the power of your spirit, through the power of your word, that you would remind us of 
the hope that you've given us. The faith that we can have through your son, Jesus Christ. And not only what you've done through him, Father, but what you are currently doing through him, Father. As you work in our lives, as we bow our hearts, as we confess with our mouths, as we live our lives to allow Jesus to rule. Father, I pray that together we would go on this journey. And Lord, not only would we go on this journey, but that we would just commit to be faithful. Faithful to you, faithful to each other, faithful to the things that you've called us to do, faithful to the things that you've called us to become. Father, I don't know everybody's hearts here, but I, I do love every person that's in this room, and I know you love them even more than I could ever. And so right now, however you're stirring their hearts, whatever you're saying to them, whatever you're doing in them right now, Father, I pray that your hand would guide them. I pray, Father, that, that uh, at this moment, in this very moment, Father, that there would be a, a, a humble surrender, a humble heart that would just say, Jesus, I believe in who you are. I believe in why you came, and I believe that I need you. And so right now, this moment, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you because I believe you are the Messiah. I trust in the fact that you love me and you care for me. Father, thank you. Thank you for showing us these things. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for allowing us to know you. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.